0: How can you have people experience your story park and feel like they've been fed?
1: Exactly. Right. And that's the purpose of it. I've been using Cars Land as an example recently, which Cars Land is beautiful. It's neat during the day. You feel like you've walked into Radiator Springs. You're there for the lighting ceremony where all the lights come on and you play shaboom, shaboom. It's the whole movie experience. It is fantastic eye candy. And your your inner child goes, oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever. But at the end of the day, it's eye candy. And just like which uh helps for a whole half hour but then afterwards you feel like crap
2: this is going boldly the
1: podcast here's your host russ
0: the big guy Hey, welcome back, listeners. This is Russ, the big guy, and you are going boldly. Today, I am excited because uh, my new friend, Greg Shumsky, is here. I'm
1: here. Oh, Hello, there
0: you are. Okay, good. I've been waiting for this for quite a while. Greg is, uh, is an engineer, and he's self-described builder of neat things and experience designer, a, a big thinker, a budget-minded guy a game-changing creative who can visualize the big picture and then figure out the tiniest of details to improve upon and then make things happen. When you hear what Greg is up to, you are going to know that he is a man of vision. He is in the process of making stuff happen. So hi, Greg. It's so great to finally have you on the podcast.
1: It's great to be here, Russ. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah. So you have a lot of exciting things going on. Kind of bury the lead a little bit here. Um, In the notes, we'll tell them what's happening. But Give me a little, a brief little background, like a synopsis, like a one-minute thing. Like, what's your professional experience? What have you been doing for the past twenty years?
1: For the past twenty years, I've been doing all sorts of uh, things. Uh, I, I had a video game company briefly. I was had an interactive multimedia company for a number of years, and that moved into being a video game company. We released uh, a couple video games, and then that. Went into becoming uh, going into user experience design for software and for product uh, for big companies and some smaller ones. Is why well, I worked for HP for a while on some of their stuff. And then I decided really I wanted to move more into themed entertainment design. And and I that came from a dream and a kind of a goal since I was very young, like around eight years old, to work for Disney Imagineering. And over the years, I applied to Disney Imagineering and and interviewed and interviewed and nothing really happened. And I had a lot of friends that worked there, but still nothing happened. And so I thought, well, the the best thing to do is really just join the Themed Entertainment Association. And I did uh, while still working in UX design. And and, uh, uh, that was the greatest thing in the world. And so I started a little company called Hot Rods and Robots, doing props and stuff like that and trying to sell that to the industry, uh, and I was still doing UX design work and, and had a really bad experience with some people in the uh, business. And so I, I decided, you know, I'm going to get out of UX design. I'm, I'm done with uh, dealing with um, clowns. <laughs> so uh, I I took a, a contract job at, a, at the local air and space museum here in San Diego for... 20 bucks an hour, which is uh, about a thousand times less than what my normal salary would be. And, uh, I, and I, I'm i over exaggerating, it's not a thousand times less, but it was a way, way less than what my normal salary would be. And uh, I decided to work on the, you know, get a job with the exhibits team and really working hard to learn about themed design and stuff like that uh, from a firsthand sort of thing. So I worked in the shop. Building out displays and then help them uh, rearrange this big hall and pulling airplanes off the ceiling. And then uh, we uh, built have a whole new exhibit called The Space. It's a, it's a huge space exhibit that they have at the Air and Space Museum, which I highly recommend people go see. And then uh, that ended and I got a job with Storyland Studios working as a CAD designer. So I, I took on the role of doing CAD work for some big projects that they were doing. Uh, But all along, uh, during the midst of working there, I had this idea for a a small little Western-themed park. And and originally, it was going to be just a small little Western town with some rides and just fun family type stuff, kind of along the lines of Tom's Farms or something like that. But that really kind of grew into more becoming a a, a themed, what I call a, a story park.
0: All right, yeah, so yeah. so we've got so yeah. we're so we're up to the story park, but let's let's not yeah, go, yeah. let's not do too much on that yet. Going boldly is a podcast for entrepreneurs and aspiring business owners. One of the reasons I have people like you on the podcast is because you are a great example for others, and for many reasons. So, the not not the least of which is the fact that for basically for your whole life there was that little entrepreneurial spark. And you've addressed that in many ways. You've had companies, your own companies along the way. And, mm-hmm. um, and one of the important things that I noticed uh, recently, especially since we've gone through this COVID pandemic, is the best and smartest people are not afraid to ask for help. They're not afraid to humble themselves when they have to. They put their ego aside or they don't have one. And I think that that's amazing. People are working with coaches they are, re, they are restarting or reigniting an existing business that had to change, in some cases, massively, and in some cases, whole new industries because of the pandemic. But that's a yeah. trait that entrepreneurs have that successful people have regardless. And, and I see that that's something that you did as well. Were you aware of that as you, know, as you were developing, let's say, as a, as a creative person, as a business person? Like, were you consciously aware of that voice inside that was telling you to be an entrepreneur? Did you have even a struggle with changing, like if you had to change? So you're doing some things now that somebody had a big ego, maybe they wouldn't, they wouldn't try, you know, or they wouldn't do, or they'd be, um, or they'd be negative about it. But that, I don't get that vibe from you at all. I, I, so were you aware of that uh, entrepreneurial voice or that voice in you that's, that was wanting you to be a business owner?
1: Yeah, uh, I've had that entrepreneurial voice since I was uh, in uh, elementary school. Actually, I remember seeing in the back of some magazine that you could send $15 in or $45 into some company and they'd send you magic tricks and you could start your own business selling magic tricks. So I sent $45, I sent 40 bucks or something like that, cash. (laughs) Just have a check. (laughs) Have my mom or dad write a check because I was only, you know,
0: that was a lot of money in the 1910s.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's like 5 million now. Uh, so uh, I sent cash in the mail and never saw a single oh thing from it. That was 19. Uh,
2: That's your first business lesson. It,
1: was an school. it had to be junior high. So it was like 1978. Okay. And uh, yeah, and, and I never, uh, I never saw it. but I always, I always had the desire to learn from other people and I wanted to work in different businesses and I wanted to learn from people and uh, I wanted to always learn new things. Uh, I was, it helps to be adaptable and I don't mind adapting and changing because if there's something that tickles my fancy, I think has got a chance of succeeding or, um, you know, doing, doing well or that I could probably do okay at, uh, I will learn about it and I'll take classes in it and I'll work somewhere to understand the business. So, the magic thing didn't work out, so I, I learned graphic design. I started taking graphic design in high school and wanted to start a little company called uh, a little graphic design company. And I did that, and then I that kind of morphed into wanting to start a company doing uh, animation and uh, visual effect. And I and I wanted people to work with me. There were people that were way more talented designers than myself. I'm a I'm a decent I'm a good designer for the most part. And I'm okay at sketching things. I, if I take the time to really sit down and sketch something out, like a lot of these guys do, I used to do pretty darn good at it. But there's, you know, I've got so much to think about and do that I only have time to do a quick thumbnail sketch. And and I'd rather hand it over to people I look at as being a bazillion times more talented than I. And uh, you know, it's interesting because people will want to come on and help if you're yeah. nice and film what you're doing. Uh, and you're not a jerk about it, and and you've got a good reputation, people are willing to uh, make things happen.
0: Yeah. So I want to just highlight the fact that you are maybe an insatiable learner or insatiably curious. And I think that's a common trait. I certainly identify with that. Um, I'd mentioned like when I was a kid, I read the, I used to read the encyclopedia. I just wanted to find, find things out. Of course, there was no personal computer or, you know, mobile phone uh, to go to at the time. But uh, that was something that, that I was excited about was learning things. And I'd always ask questions and.
1: My go-tos were popular science of popular mechanics. I loved reading all the articles in those, uh, I wanted to build the things that were in there. When they came out with the kits for cars, I wanted one of those. Oh, my gosh. Um, you know, part of it is not just being an insatiable learner, uh, but it's also it's a level of boredom. If I'm not being challenged by yeah. something, yeah, I don't want to be challenged by something that is way, way, way out of my wheelhouse. But at the same time, I end up being challenged like that. And I find myself going through it and growing from it. And, and, uh, either coming out the end going, well, that worked out pretty well or that didn't work out so well, but I learned a lot from it either or whether I failed at it or I succeeded at it.
0: Okay. Thanks Greg. So that kind of gives us a background on, on you. Um, a uh, lot of talent, a lot of drive, you exhibit, uh, all those characteristics that other entrepreneurs are going to identify with for sure. And, uh, aspiring business owners. Uh, we're talking about, uh, um, being humble. We're talking about wanting to learn and, uh, learning uh, whether you are a quote unquote succeeding or, or quote unquote failing. And, uh, it's all part of the, it's all part of the process of just living. So moving forward, you know, lots of terms for it, falling forward, you know, getting back up when you get punched and get knocked down, all those things. Um, and it's, uh, it's, just, it's just the way of life of an entrepreneur, right? So, yes. so Greg, um, you had mentioned the idea of a themed park, and that kind of brings us up to a really cool sort of thing that's happening, right? And this is where you are able to use a lot of your transferable skills, your unique abilities, your entrepreneurial traits, and kind of put it all together at this point in your adult life and say, uh, how can I really make an impact? What do people really need? What's missing? Uh, taking a look at the bigger world. And, and you've come up with a great, great concept that I just think is amazing. And so tell us about what you're doing briefly. You are creating some themed entertainment, what someone might call a theme park, but you have a different concept. Let's talk about that before we get into the specific.
1: Uh, essentially, I came up with this concept, what I call a story park. The idea behind it is that uh, it, it stems from all of these uh, themed entertainment venues like Disneyland and uh, others that have, I think, lost their way. They, they call themselves a theme park because there's different themes that run throughout the park, uh, and that's all fine and dandy. Uh, however, it's very, I want to say, disconnected. It's like walking into a smorgasbord or a a Chinese buffet where over here's all the fried stuff and over here's all the dessert stuff and over here's all this and over here's all this and uh, almost a sensory overload and a, a mental overload because we as humans are connected for hundreds of thousands of years have been connected to story, right? And when you take an environment that is everything imaginable plopped into something, and then, and then you, you have a theme, say, for instance, Tomorrowland, and everything in Tomorrowland has nothing to do with tomorrow, the, the world of tomorrow, then I think that the designers and the people in charge have kind of lost the intention of what a theme park is supposed to be.
0: Do you think part of That's that part of that reason? Uh, I mean, Disney died before he got had a chance to really see his his vision fulfilled. Uh, Epcot is a classic example where it was supposed to be the 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 city of the future, right? That's what Epcot yeah, stands right. for, and so yep, yep. It sort of fell short. I think I guess is what I would say. As much I as as much as I thing, love it, though, I do love it. Yeah,
1: but. well, I I think the closest thing is Tomorrowland was cool when it first opened up because it was really about the future yeah. of the 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 world of tomorrow with right the space ride and the inner space thing and the um, Monsanto um, exhibit and the house of the future and it was a really and and eventually it put the people mover and it was a really neat space that really encouraged you to think about the future and it encouraged future engineers and future scientists and inspired a lot of people and uh, disney became a place that was more about we've spent a lot of money on this we got to make our money back
0: yeah i get that and, feeling and, when, I, when well, I go to the parks it's like every it's like yeah. you know just want to keep selling me things
1: right so the idea of a story uh, park is really about creating a, a living breathing story that people walk into the midst of Everything is interconnected—the the attractions, the stores, uh, the, the you know the shops, the food uh, places, uh, the characters—the whole nine yards. You feel like you're walking into a real physical thing that has existed forever, and you are a part of it. The Wizarding World of Harry Potter is close to that, but see what they've done is they're they're mimicking more or less what's in the movie, so you already know what to expect when you walk in. Uh You know, you can go buy a magic wand. You know, you can take a magic wand and wave it at things. You know, you can go to the magic shop. You know, you can go to the place and get a butterbeer. It's all pre-programmed based off an existing franchise that everyone knows. And the people that work there are required to or, uh, you know, act as one of the characters of the movies. And, and it's all fine and dandy. So you're, you're kind of, it's the same thing with Cars Land at, at Disneyland to a point is that uh, you walk in Cars Land, well, you know what to expect. And when they do things, it's fantastic eye candy and there's some fun attractions. However, at the end of the day, it's it's really uh, mimicking what's already been done. Right. Uh, and, and, they're, and they're bringing it to life. Whereas a story park is you walk in and you never know what to expect. You know what the story is either through uh, an animated series or like we're going to do or a series of books. So you understand who the characters are and you understand the story of the town of the park, you know, that it is. However, uh, it's an ongoing living, breathing story. So it changes every day there will always be something new that may not be in the animated series or in the books or other media. It'll be, every time you go, there's, there'll be repeatable things. Like we want to do a Saturday night hoedown uh, in a big barn, but uh, there'll be other things that always happen and news stories being written every day or every week that every time you come back, you're going to, you're going to have a different experience than the, than the last time you came before. So that's that's what a story park really is about. That everything is truly interconnected to itself. There's no disconnect between a single part of the square footage that the that the land takes up.
0: So let me ask you a little to go a little deeper into your concept of why the park is important. And that is what really caught my attention. And that's why I want to be involved somehow. (laughs) I told you I was going to send you some artwork and I I haven't done it yet. It's been a couple months, (laughs) but it's, it's been a little crazy, but, uh, (laughs) but it's going to happen. Damn it. The concepts that you have are amazing. They're going to support the overall reason why the park even exists. Yeah.
1: Okay. The idea, you know, there was, there's originally there was the concept of the park of just rebuilding this little abandoned amusement park uh, that was a fun place for families to come. It had a Western theme to it, and some amusement rides, and like I said, it grew from there. And um, well, your dream—your well, oh, you
0: dream—your dream outgrew the actual geographic oh, yeah. well, space. The, is that what you're actually,
1: saying? Yeah, my actually, huh, uh, what's funny is it wasn't really a dream at all. What happened was, is it just okay. kind of. It took on its own life, let's put it that way. A life of its own. I see. That. And the way it took, yep. And the way it took the life on of its own, uh, was that I first thought, well, what's the name of this place? I tossed some ideas around my head that the Jack Lobe Junction just kind of stuck. And I thought, well, who's our who's our Mickey Mouse gonna be then? And I thought about uh, well, it's gotta be a jackalope and what's his name and his name is Jim and well what's his story and you know unlike Mickey Mouse he doesn't really have an origin story jackalope Jim has an origin story and it really turned into a, a story about survival and becoming victorious over life it's just the crap life throws at you you know you can take right. on a you can take on a mantle of being a victim and that everybody owes you something or you can take on the mantle of being victorious and have a positive effect on the world and have a positive effect on your community and a positive effect on your friends and so on and so forth. So that was what we really took on. And 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 because it takes place in the old west, well there's a lot of things that happen in the old west that really I mean people want to romanticize it, but there's there's a lot of sucky stuff that happens. So we so I took on several uh storytelling tropes of him losing his parents at 10 years old. And having a chip on his shoulder and wanting to go after the guys that killed his parent. And he's born without an arm, which is a whole different story. All these tragedies have happened in his life. And how does he overcome it? What does he become? What what does that make him into? And I, and I could have gone down the road of him being a real jerk. Worst people in the world. You know, all these things. Coming across people that he's met in his life and his travels have really formed him into being a really, really, uh, at first reluctantly a hero. And then becomes a hero because of because of circumstances. So uh, that then led to other characters being developed that had similar or, or some sort of tragic thing in their lives. And their hearts, they have good hearts. But, uh, you know, they, they have the choice of either going one way or the other. And, and all the characters in this, uh, for the most part, have, have gone in the direction of, of good and, and doing good things. But we do have some characters that are struggling. That, and, and They all struggle, just like you and I do. And uh, we have our bad guys, though, who have had sucky things happen in their lives and they've become the worst, rottenest balls that you could ever imagine encountering. And they're based on people I know. Oh, dear. <laughs> so, I went to high school with or, or whatever. And some of the worst people in my life became our, became our villain because they've never changed. They've had yeah. many to change and have have had friends and stuff that said, you need to change. And they just, they, uh, it's really about giving people the you know, kids, look, you could be, you could be victorious over your circumstances or not. Yes. And then it's also, it's about morals. It's about bringing back good old fashioned values. It's about, uh, lessons, life lessons. And it's also about, uh, bringing back a wholesomeness that's just been missing forever. I mean, in today's cartoons, there's no morals to the story and there's no wholesomeness to it. And there's no wholesomeness to a lot of stuff kids are exposed to these days and families in general. And I, I have this big desire to bring back the wholesomeness that has been missing from everything for a long time. And, and wholesome doesn't have to be boring. I mean, wholesome can be fun and it can be adventurous and all these other things at, at the same time. But at the same time, we're, we're trying to, I think, start a almost a Culture revolution, in a sense, that hasn't been done in ages. I had somebody comment on Facebook one time. It sounds like we have a big political agenda. Well, okay, I guess if wholesomeness is a political agenda, then we have a political agenda. Yeah. Right? Either people are going to really go, this needs to be done and understand it and go, this is the best thing ever since sliced bread. Or you're going to have people that say, I'm against everything you stand for because they're just so lost. They can't see, uh, you know, the force from the trees.
0: I don't think it's too late. In many ways, I feel like our country is kind of like uh, in a time of bread and circuses, sort of like the end of the Roman Empire. When, But in many ways, I see so many people, especially since I'm active on LinkedIn, especially since I've been connecting with people uh, through the podcast and for the podcast, they are people who have purpose. Part of their purpose, of course, is to make money and feed their family and, you know, um, uh, be able to live comfortably. But they do mm-hmm. that through service. They do that through a legitimate service to others, not trying to rip off uh, other people, not trying to cheat a consumer. But right. real, real service, real, real value. Not. So I think that it's not too late. I think it's probably very timely. And gosh, coming on the heels of a pandemic, people are thinking right. differently. Uh, I I think it's timely. I don't think it's too late. I think it's I think now is the time.
1: Yeah, you know what's interesting is uh, the the plan was to do a small park to begin with because it's just an interesting idea and it goes against everything that uh, all of these big companies do they could they buy thousands and thousands and thousands of acres of land or they do a big massive indoor space that has looney tunes slapped on it or this slapped on it, or that slapped on it and it's really i and i'm I'm not uh disparaging i'm not disparaging the people that have worked on this thing that have done just fantastic work like Warner brothers world and stuff guys i know work on those and they just did a, a just a Fantastic job with the limitations they had. However, I think at the same time, it really cheapens a lot of things, the mass commercialization. Like for instance, Peanuts, if any any Cedar Fair park you go to has a Peanuts camp now, it really waters down what this specialness of the Peanuts gang, I think, having yeah. been a big Peanuts fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know,
0: the other part uh, is that um a lot of these things, a lot of entertainment. And that's why I say kind of bread and circuses type of thing. You know, it's really just to get our money and it's purpose. That's its purpose to um, enrich the shareholders. It's to distract us from other things in life that maybe are more important. And, and like, um, and, and the theme parks are somewhat the same, at least my experience with a lot of them. I do like a lot of the Disney things. Yeah. Uh, I must say, and and Universal, some of the other ones where they're just so well done, but even even them, after a time, you're still hungry. Do you know what I mean? Right. And it's like you know, going out and buying a new uh, flat screen TV or buying a new car. Boy, it's exciting yeah. when you're thinking about it. The expectation is sure. almost shooting off more endorphins uh, than two weeks after you've purchased it. How can you have people experience your story park and feel like they've been fed?
1: Exactly. Right. And that's the purpose of it. Because if you look at places like, okay, I'll, I'll use, I've been using Cars Land as an example recently, which Cars Land is beautiful. It's neat during the day. You feel yeah. like you have walked into radiator springs. Yeah. And then if you're around long, long enough, you you're there for the lighting ceremony where all the lights come on and you play shaboom, shaboom. It's the whole movie experience. It is fantastic eye candy. And your yeah. your inner child goes, Oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever. And if you've if for people that have never watched the film, they go, Well, this is really neat. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's my candy and just like candy, you know, you you got that Snickers bar, yeah. Uh which which uh helps for a whole half hour, but then afterwards you feel like crap.
0: I think that I had that exact experience, kind of what you're talking about. Or not I didn't even get that excited.
1: No, well, di- no it,
0: disrespect to anybody who worked on that because it was no, definitely amazing. Right.
1: Yeah, no, right? they really pulled it off well. Disney pulls things off really, really, really well. However, yeah. Let's look at Evermore Park, for instance. What is As that an note? example, which So Evermore is this park that's in Salt Lake uh, that's in Utah uh, that was built by the guy that had a guy that has a lot of money that did the whole VR thing that's at the Disneyland and stuff like that. And uh, it's a it's a big Dungeons and Dragons sort of uh, park characters dressed up as elves and goblins and all sorts of manner of magical creatures and beasts and stuff and other D&D type characters and you're you join a quest for 2 or 3 or 4 hours and then you're done. Now, if you're a and d person, great. Or if you're in the Lord of the Rings, great. There are no attractions there, there's no rides. There's some fantastic places to eat. You feel like you're in a in a village in the medieval times, but it's a magical village that you've walked through some portal supposedly into and there you have it. That's their, that's their story. You don't actually walk through a portal, uh, any physical portal to get into. You just go in the park and you ride their train and it's not a repeatable sort of thing unless you're really, really a big, giant DD type of nerd. Now, I would call that an attempt of at being a story park because you're walking into a, a breathing, living story. However, when people leave, they don't feel like they had the greatest time in their lives. and don't feel uh, like they had been filled. Whereas with what we're doing, now you have the option of, Hey, I could just come in and I can enjoy the park and I can buy some souvenirs and I can eat some food and I could go on all the attractions and watch the shows and watch the live entertainment and and laugh and just have a great day with my family and leave and think I got a good deal.
0: And you do want people to do that whose only requirement is whose only need is that. We don't want to dissuade yeah, yeah, them. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, there's the passive, there's yeah. the passive guests and there's the active guests. So you have your passive guests yeah. and when they leave, they're going to still feel like I spent 500 bucks today and that was the heck of a bargain and I got everything I ever wanted and I got to go on all these rides and I had a great time. I can't wait to come back.
0: Well, they right? have, And they'll have learned some stuff, even though maybe they didn't know they learned it.
1: Ex- exactly. Correct. And then you have the people that'll go, something's different about this place. I want to learn more. Oh, wait, there's these these people that started the town. Well, what about the money caves? What about the secret of the town? What about something that happened to so-and-so that I heard about? Uh, one uh, town spoke talking to someone else about it, and I overheard it as I was walking by and oh little junior got to do junior deputy school today and and got his little tin badge however uh, at the same time we we got involved there's gonna be the people that are kind of naturally snoops that are going to want to know what's going on That'll be me. And they're going to hear a lot. And there's a passive, and then there's a passive guest that will still send a little team or Sally or whoever for junior deputy school. And at the end of the day, still feel like they got a great thing. So our job is to remove people from the world for a day, and give them something that is and, and totally engross them to where they're not thinking about the bills they have due or taxes due. Get them out of that. and Give them something magical and wonderful and special for a day or or two days
0: yeah if they're gonna camp
1: right they're gonna camp they'll do the camping experience or they'll uh, they'll, they'll stay in the hotel or they'll do the RV uh, hosted experience or something like that and then and then you have the more uh, interactive active guests that really will want to kind of participate in stuff and still get the same experience whether you do one or the other right yeah Disneyland doesn't really do that at Disneyland will grab people once in a while, family, and get them involved in the parade, which is, yeah. I, I think, a great thing. At Love Junction, our townsfolk are going to be required to interact with the guests and get people involved.
0: Yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, you talked about reshaping society or or guiding it, maybe. And so, yeah. Uh, so how can we how can we discuss that in a very positive positive way? And so that people sort of understand, like, what your idea is. In other words, I think, like, anytime you take a position on something, there are going to be people that don't like it. And it could be it could be religion. It could be politics. It could be the best flavor of ice cream, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, some people who don't have anything better to do will, you know, spend a half an hour arguing about it on, on Facebook. Um, and I mean, like, about ice cream. So, um, yeah. <laughs> and <Chocolate>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so people don't like to be lectured to generally, right? Yeah, right. People right. don't like to feel like they're wrong, but people do want to be acknowledged and, mm-hmm. um, and people do want to feel like they belong. And I think yep. people do want to be better humans, but Correct. I feel like there's so much, distraction and there's so much Uh pressure to spend your resources be it attention uh time part you know your life money whatever on those things Uh and there's a certain level of also of laziness
1: people are going to want more intimate experiences as well yes even before covid i think even before covid people were wanting smaller more intimate experiences but not realizing that's what they wanted yeah, And I'll give you an example real quick. If you went to a really uh, good breakfast place that had a lot of good reviews, you would go and you literally would be packed with as many people as they could fit into a small building, almost shoulder to shoulder with the, with the people next to you at the table next to you, literally a foot away from them. And that got to be ridiculous. But people were still doing it because they wanted to experience the food. Uh, and that's that. I wouldn't say that's an intimate experience. I think that's an overbearing, horrible experience. Uh, the thing that COVID has shown people is that as restaurants have opened back up, and you've got a little more space between you and the people next to you, it's actually a nicer experience. Um, there was a certain greed, I think, in restaurants and other ex- other things that people had, and even in the parks. You know, Disneyland would pack in. Every as many people as they possibly could unnecessarily, and it just made it a really crappy experience for everyone else because now you're fighting to get to a certain area. It's hot, it's miserable. You paid a lot. You could you get to go on two rides maybe at the most, and so on and so on and so on. There was a certain level of greed, I think, among companies, etc., etc., to get as much bank as many people as they could in to make as much money as they could without really any care for. The people that were providing the money to them in the first place. Now we're getting into smaller experiences with this, especially where it is that intimate saying, You, you, you know, the most we're going to let is twenty five hundred people a day initially in the in the, and, and that's within a six acre space. Uh, when we eventually add on a water park, of course we'll be able to let more people in. At the end of the day, people want to feel not like they're crowded into somewhere and there's millions of other people surrounding around them taking away from their experience, right?
0: Right. They're going to take this whole experience with them. That, that That's the idea, right? So like what I talked about before is feeling like you've been fed. So like what, yeah. you know, so let, let's talk about that. Let's, you know, that, cause that's really what this is all about. Or am I making right. too, am I making too much out of it?
1: No, 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 you are not. Uh, I don't think you are. Okay. Um. Yeah. Uh. So we were talking about Disney and, and eye candy thing that you, have this thing that you you leave at the end of the day and go wow that was the coolest thing ever but then afterwards you feel like man that cost me yeah. <laughs> a thousand bucks and i'm still hungry uh, <laughs> just, just to get in and you know yeah. uh i feel like i don't feel like i had the greatest time ever and the food was crappy and because the food in a lot of the places is crappy well or and, or it, i it, had
0: a great time but um a week later, It's a distant memory. Yeah, I I
1: regret spending that. A week later, you regret spending that. You know, unless you have,
0: you know, I have a plush or something, or I've got, you know, I have some memories, but I have a plush.
1: Yeah, I got my fifty dollars. I got my fifty dollars hoodie, right? So, uh, (laughs) but you know, or my plastic lightsaber. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, Well, we got a we got a hundred fifty dollar one. I think it was.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So. But the the thing is, is, that you you leave, yeah, in a week later. But now, see, what what we're doing is, you're going to leave, and you're going to, it's going to last with you for weeks and weeks and weeks on end. And if little Timmy uh, or little Susie join the deputy sheriff's school, for instance, right, not only do they get a tin badge, they get their picture taken, they end up on the wall of fame uh, in the town hall, which is a big digital monitor, basically, and uh, now. Every every year we send them a, a, a birthday present. We well we send them a free ticket to the park and a fifty percent off for their for their family members. Right. And when they come to the park, they get a they get a little you know a complimentary little cupcake or something silly like that. And so like, what they do is they get a they get an official. They can either buy or they can uh, they get a little Jack Love Junction blaster gun like. Yeah like uh, Jack love gyms. They get their own special little steampunk gun and they go throughout the park and they got to hit. So they sign up, they have to hit targets throughout the whole park throughout the day and, uh, they get points. And at the end of the day, pretty much if, if you, if you do your best and you participate, you get a tin badge. If you don't do anything all day, because yeah. we're not going to award, we're not going to reward people for doing nothing. So you get your little tin badge, you get your picture up on the thing. Now, 10 or 15 years later, when little Timmy or Susie are adults and they have their own kids, they come back to the park and they get to take their kids into the town hall and say, there's me when I was your age. And the kids are going to go, that is so cool, mom and dad. Uh, I want to sign up and do the same thing. And we continue this. We become a tradition. Uh, You know, And. Okay, so to be honest, I do a tradition with my kids every year. We go to Disneyland, or we'd go every year, yeah, for something. And uh, we make sure to go to the launch bay and see Chewbacca and hang out Chewbacca and get pictures with him. And my son and I, if we go, we'd always get a picture with Goofy. And then we'd always go to Trader Sam's at the end of the day. Now that they're old enough, obviously, and, and have a drink and relax for a couple of hours, and head home. And that's kind of a that's kind of our thing to do. But I, I want to give these families really wholesome traditions. And uh, at the end of the day, people go, that was the coolest thing ever. I can't wait to take my kids when, I'm, when I have some. Right? Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't think anybody does that.
0: You're not teaching the kid to go around and kill people. You're, you're no. teaching the kid. The kid is learning how to, uh, follow through on a project, right. How to set some goals, how, you know, yep. uh, I mean, how to be sort of like self-guided in the, in a quest. So, you know, there are things that the child is learning that the child doesn't realize. And I think that that's when we, right. when we talked originally, I, uh, the first time I think we talked about this, those are some of the things that that caught my attention like sort of like the when you talk about uh, values and you know trying to create a positive impact to kind of offset you know some of the craziness that's going on in the, in our country and even in the world when you have those sort of underlying reasons to exist and they can um, they can uh, inform you know the different stories the different entertainment aspects of the park and the different you know, the different interactions and even like you were talking about with your main protagonist, Jackalope Jim, like you you know, he could have gone to the dark side, but he didn't. <laughs> you know, to use the right. to use the star you know, the Star Wars analogy. The Star Wars thing. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, you know, see, so yeah, like
0: that's that's I find that to be really cool because that's the type of thing that's missing in all of the examples, the other examples of all the other parks, things that you had mentioned. That's kind of like that is the power of this tool the story park
1: it's it's what's missing in uh lately in our schools it's what's missing in our homes um it's what's missing in a lot of things it's it's really about giving kids an opportunity to do things they never and you know you have all these devices kids have their everyone's glued to their phones and stuff and there's good things about the digital, the smartphones and, and the internet is that there's a lot of resources to learn things from and you could build a barn, you could build a fence, you could do all sorts of really cool things. There's so much positivity in there. But at the same time, kids are glued to uh, Minecraft or uh, Pokemon or it's social media, right? And they all feel like they have to compete with the other person. And this is really a place where you, you you're disconnected from your device for the day. You're not. Uh, I mean, we do use technology that is really, really, really well hidden. Uh, however, it's really about giving kids a chance to be kids for a day or two. They get to do a campfire. They get to go, they get to camp if they want. They can go to a a living farm and learn about farm animals and how to raise animals and vegetables and see other kids doing it. They get to enjoy things with their mom and their dad that they never really get to do because mom and dad are working all the time to support, you know, to to keep a roof over their head. All all those things, you know, I don't want to get into politics and stuff, but we do have a government that's trying to uh, strip away more of what being a human is, uh, being victors and stuff like that. And it's missing from a lot of different things that kids are around today and families are around today. And we're really trying to bring back things that give families a chance to be families and kids a chance to play like a kid without worrying about uh, a kid scraping his elbow or anything else like that. It's really going to be giving the kids a chance to just to live as children and parents to have a, a good day. We really want to celebrate family, create a family environment that Disney doesn't do or anybody else has ever done in a long time. Yeah. And that's really what it's about.
0: Yeah, I, I love it. Let's circle back around and let people know a little bit about uh, Jackalope Junction. I'm going to throw out a name and then you give me like two sentences on it. All right. So here we okay. go. All right. So this is going to be all focused around your vision of what Jackalope Junction is is all about at least the characters, the experience, the backstory. All right. So let's start with Elias T. Penwright.
1: Elias T. Penwright, uh, is a land surveyor that discovers Jack Loeb junction purely by accident. Uh, he's out one day doing some, uh, surveying for a housing community near this, uh, area called, uh, peaceful Valley. And, uh, Peaceful Valley is this uh, little valley that has oak trees and everything in it in, in our world. And I'm saying our world because it's our world.
0: Elias is in our world. Is that correct? Yes.
1: Elias is a human okay. character. Yes.
0: All right. And through his exploring down through the, the some caves or whatever, he comes across white gems. Yeah.
1: So Elias comes across these... Uh, the He walks into the cave, so he decides to go take his lunch break. It's the end of the day, and He decides to go have a nice lunch in Peaceful Valley. And as he's walking through, instead of taking the trails that go into it, he decides to go through one of the caves that leads into it. Well, things don't go as expected. And uh, there's some lights and vibrating. And he starts to feel a little nauseous. But he thinks there's maybe an earthquake or something. And what's really happened is these uh, white gems, we, we call them the time crystals, have been activated somehow. And because of that, they've created a portal that he and knowingly walks through and when he comes up the other side of the cave into peaceful valley now instead of peaceful valley just being the oak trees there lies the town of Lope Junction
0: I love it and there's something called uh MC1 is it a a, oh, ro- a robot
1: yeah 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 mac it's discovered inside the cave gotcha. yeah yeah so in uh, Jack Jun- so Jack Loop Junction originally was a mining town called Mighty Oak Spring. Their product was all these different uh, gems that they pulled, the crystals that they pulled out gems, like red ones and yellow. And the town ran on them. So the red gems are power. So the town ran on red gems and the yellow gems were used for lighting and uh, green gems. They never really knew what to do with, but they had green gems and blue ones as well. And they uh, more or less accidentally find the time crystals uh, when there's this huge cave in. Thirteen miners are lost in the cave in. They can never find the bodies. Um, the town goes bust. Everybody leaves. becomes a ghost town. A few of the characters stay behind. Uh, so one of those things, that was MCO one, which was a, a mining robot, and it was as a mining automaton. That was a prototype unit that this one guy brings in and they try it out in the cave. It really has no personality or anything else like that. Uh, so the cave happens. Roughly 15 years later, Jack Love Jim comes across it, discovers the town, runs into Senior Mole, decides to rebuild it. And, then, and he discovers in the cave this rusted out, beat up, hunk of metal robot and decides to rebuild it. And as he rebuilds it, he kind of puts his own flair on it and... Next thing you know, it, he brings it back to life, essentially, by rebuilding it and stuff, and gives it a voice box. And it's got this Irish brogue when it talks, uh, very similar to what his grandfather was, Jack Jim's grandfather was. And so he names it, because it was MCL1, he names it Mac. And uh, part of the story is that his grandfather's nickname happened to be Mac also. So there, there you have it. So MCL1 right. becomes uh, a deputy sheriff. And a helper around helps rebuild the town and becomes a deputy sheriff as well.
0: I love that all these characters have have backstories and they all interconnect and they're all they all make sense for the overall concept of Jackalope Junction. I actually designed a restaurant once uh, when I was uh, much younger, uh, young adult, and I did something similar. Created uh, was just in one restaurant though. Created all these characters and um, all the uh, decorations and stuff that went around them. Created vignettes. Like a miniature, kind of a miniature little amusement park, except we had just food really? instead of rides. Um, Paula Pig did is in. Did you
1: say? Did you say? Did you say? Did you say vignette? Yeah. Vignette.
0: Vignette. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Wait, what's a vignette? I'm
1: like, that, what's a vignette? That's
0: a cross between uh, uh salad dressing and a virgin. I don't know. That's it. Or virgin. Yeah, right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> vignette all (laughs) right well that was my that was my americanized version of the french vignette um or you could say big (laughs) i wonder how many times i've said that i just been saying it without even hearing it oh my gosh it's (laughs) funny all right so let's see paula pig is an executive chef but she has other she has other duties
1: yes she owns the uh she uh runs the kitchen for the uh, uh rabbit's tail saloon but she also has a uh quick service uh, lunch counter called Paula Pig's Picnic Basket. And she's more or less uh, based off of uh, Paula Dean. Oh, oh, dear. <laughs> I
0: hope Paula doesn't mind
1: having a pig, why not? a
0: pig representing <laughs> her. Uh, um, let's see. What's another one? Russell Raccoon and Shotgun Sally. I have together.
1: Yeah, so Russell Raccoon is uh, the head of the Slippery Slope King, and he's uh, – he's uh not a nice guy yeah uh he doesn't even want to be a nice guy he's just he's just he's just the worst of the worst um he's very he's a schemer he's always looking f- uh, for a thing and it, they he's the one who gets his buddies involved in trying to steal gems from the local gem mines and okay yeah you'll run into him you'll run into him in the gem mines if you're not careful you'll run into him all right he's always uh, the antagonist
0: of the whole thing
1: Yep, is Shotgun yep. Sally then, uh, a, a villain? No, she's not. Okay, she's his sister. Oh. She's the sister of him, but she's a good girl. She's she's a great gal. Her story is that uh, she was fifteen and engaged to be married to one of the, uh, and her uh, fiance was one of the miners mm. that was one of the thirteen miners that was lost in the cave in. So when the town goes bust and everybody leaves, she stays behind because she's pining after him and she, she can't bring herself back together. And she eventually uh, learns to kind of get past it. However, new things are fleshed up that uh, kind of bring back those memories. She becomes more of a tomboy eventually and she becomes just tough, a tough gal, and, uh, but she's pretty and she's tough. Um, she becomes eventually a love interest of Jackal Jim.
0: Oh, all right. Yeah. So one of the things that I find interesting is, on one hand, you have a cast of characters that are kind of stereotypes in a way. But on the other hand, they all have interesting backstories. When you learn the backstories, there's a little bit more of like a gray area, or de- you know what I mean, or details. It's like, uh, well, maybe not a gray area. I'm not sure. I'm, what's your concept on that? Are the bad guys just inherently evil? And the good guys are, no, are totally good. They, they, are they more like they're more not, real? They're
1: not either. They're right. not. They're antagonists, but they're not uh, at the same time. Yeah. They're named the slippery slope gang for a specific reason. Because we look at certain things and go, well, you know, if we do this, when we do this, we might be able to wait. Be, we might be get away with doing this or this. Yeah. And then you, you guys go well. That's a really slippery, slippery you're going to be going down because it's going to end up in trouble, right? Yeah. So uh, it's it's what these guys do. They always think they have a good idea, but they end up not having such a great idea. Yeah. And it's really it's really a lesson to kids. Yeah. There's more uh, of that. There's not, the more of
0: that being fed. It's not just the gang that's robbing the bank, right? Those, yeah. No. 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 It's, yeah.
1: It, it's about life lessons about these are the guys you do not want to be. I love. And I it. want to make it clear, you know, there's things you're going to do in life that can put you in jail. No matter how good of
0: an idea you thought it was, and it wasn't. Yeah, or just start you on the road uh, to a miserable life because of the decisions you're making.
1: Exactly. Right?
0: And maybe yeah. they're, they're small decisions. Just like we talk about doing well in your business or in your life. Listeners, these are these are good lessons here. It isn't always the big things. Right. It's a uh, sum total of all the small decisions that you make. You know, the slightly distorted thinking that you have. Choices. Are always presented to us. It's a slippery slope. <laughs> you just exactly. have to, you know, pay attention, exactly. right? Greg, this has been There's awesome.
1: Just say, yeah, just just stop doing the stupid stuff and and uh, try and be good. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's what it kind of breaks down yeah. to.
0: Yeah, and uh, if you don't know what good is, we're gonna you're gonna learn some of that stuff uh, at Jackalope Junction. And it's not going to be preachy and it's going to be, uh, it's, it's going to be fun. So you walk away f- feeling fulfilled and feeling uh, excited about tomorrow. Oh gosh. All right. this is so cool. If people wanted to know more about Jackalope Junction or you, Greg, how uh-huh. would they find out? Where would they go? What would they do?
1: We have a Facebook page, Jackalope Junction. Mm-hmm. We have a Instagram, Jackalope underscore Junction. Or they could go to our website, acornentertainmentgroup.com, where we talk a little bit about the park. So that's really how they can find about it. They can Google Jack Webb Junction as well. Okay. Story Park. they'll probably find a lot about it. We've had we've been in the news a lot lately, which is all good. Yeah. We are looking to uh, have the park up and running in the next few years, hopefully. Probably in Arizona, probably in Williams, Arizona. Is okay. the location where we're going to land. That's how they can find out about us.
0: That's wonderful. All
1: right. I'm going
0: to provide an opportunity for people to learn even more about you. All right. About your thinking about uh, Greg Shumsky directly. Great. All right. So Great. it's time for the questions. Stand by.
1: It's time to answer the questions. I double dare you.
0: All right, it is time for the questions, and this is where we put Greg in the hot seat a little bit here. We're going to dare him to uh, be transparent and tell us about his thought, and uh, in that process, we're going to be providing you, the listeners, with some real value. So here we go. Here's question number one, Greg. You ready? Yep. All right, there's a listener who is feeling stuck in their life. Why is it okay?
1: It's okay to be stuck in your life because sometimes there's just no real direction as to what to do. What mm-hmm. I tend to do when I'm, when I'm stuck at something, I will, uh, now I'm a, I'm a Christian, so I will pray a lot and I'll ask God for direction and then I'll just kind of sit and wait and maybe what I'll do is I'll go for a drive or for a walk, anything to clear my head, uh, anything to get away from distractions, anything to get away from noise. Just where it's just me with my thoughts or or with uh, communion with God and the Holy Spirit is what I really do. And and being stuck, you know, is is not a bad thing because it just means that maybe something really great is right around the corner and it just hasn't revealed itself yet. So, you know, and and to get to that point, you really just kind of you you talk with friends, you know, anything at any moment could be a spark of inspiration. You just you just have to kind of wait for it. Don't get down on yourself because you're because you feel stuck or things aren't going the way you want them to. There's always opportunities for things to change and really really turn out really great.
0: All right, super. All right, question number 2. Who do people tell you that you look like?
1: Will Ferrell. Oh. <laughs> okay. All the time. No kidding. Uh, All yeah, right. If, if I had it if I literally had a dollar for every time somebody chased me down to get my autograph or told me I looked like Will Ferrell, I'd have probably about $5,000.
0: Wow. Start signing them. (laughs) I'm telling you. All right. That's awesome. People are going to have to be looking for you now online to to check you out. Um, Okay. Uh, One of the things that I do is I offer coaching to people. And so I have added into our questions a coaching question. And are you game for this? Sure. Okay. You have told us about the amazing world of Jackalope Junction and the vision and importance of a story park and the huge amount of labor, money, and other resources um, are going to be needed to make it a reality. If you got really radical, even more than you've already been, thinking way outside the box, and you know that you could not fail What's the one thing that you would do next to get you closer to your goal?
1: Wow, um, closer to my goal for Jack Loeb Junction, or closer to my goal for? It,
0: I left it. I left it open so that you <laughs> could decide.
1: Uh, yeah. It, uh, honestly, yeah? this is. Uh, I would. I would say that this is the end all and be all of what I'm supposed to be doing. Honestly. Okay. I don't. Uh, yeah. No. Really. This is. Uh, look. You don't have. Uh, I don't. I don't think. Aside from Walt Disney building Disneyland and, yeah. and Walter Knott building Knott's Berry Farm, because they're really, Knott's Berry Farm was really his farm and he just added little things here and there to just make it cute originally before it really blew up. Um, but I, you know, and mostly it's the big corporations that build theme parks and, and amusement centers and stuff. Okay. Um, this is. Not something that the average bear does or thinks about doing. It. They don't sit in their house or in their office and go, "Hmm, I need to build a theme park." Yeah. Uh, and and this really went from something small to something humongous. I'm both a little afraid of it. Yeah. Uh, which which I should be. Yeah. Because if I'm not, then then I'm gonna make mistakes. Yeah, and it's not and two, big enough. And I don't want to have any pride. Uh, fullness about it and, and get as much help as I can, but it's really this, uh, I I can't think of anything else to do that would really be fulfilling as far as the, the new career or the final career sort of uh, move.
0: Okay. So, so what I hear you saying is that the really radical thinking is literally the park and all that it entails and the goal, yeah. you know, and it's your goal is basically to fulfill your, your life's ambition or your, you know, your calling, if you will, Um, leave your legacy.
1: Yep. And 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 it's really not about my legacy either. I don't, I don't really care about that. It's really about uh, doing something that's never been done before. That's going to affect a lot of people in a a positive way. And I don't, the legacy thing means nothing to me. My legacy is with God and what he thinks of me. I I don't care what the world, I don't care what the world thinks about me at the end of the day.
2: Okay.
0: Got it. All right, well, thanks for doing the questions. Um, Really, uh, really appreciate you spending the time, Greg. Well, we went way over it. This may be a two-parter. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so Sorry. great. Oh, no, don't apologize at all. It was all good stuff. And I appreciate you spending the time with us and oh, my uh, providing, you know, the information and probably some inspiration for somebody. Uh, I'll bet there's at least one listener out there who has some kind of an idea of something they want to do, and they have a greater purpose than themselves. Something's been holding them back, and all it was was an inspiration by someone else who's doing it, right? And that's it. So that, And that's Here's what it hoping, took. Yep. Yeah. That concludes another episode of Going Boldly. You've met Greg Shumsky. He is going boldly with his Jackalope Junction Story Park. We encourage you to check him out. Uh, Follow the links that will be in the notes. And we'll see you on the next one. That concludes another episode of Going Boldly. I hope you were entertained and you discovered at least one nugget of wisdom or advice that you can put into action immediately. Or maybe you received some inspiration from today's episode. And I'm certain you know at least one person who needs this podcast. Please, share it with them. You might be the important link that will change their life for the better. Subscribing means you will not miss an episode. And it will make it easier for me to schedule guests because I can show them that the audience is growing. So, please subscribe. It will benefit us all. Let me know how I can make this show even better. Leave a comment and send me a DM. I read everyone personally, and I do my best to respond to each and every one. As a thank you, I'll be awarding prizes. And to keep you on your toes, the winners will be randomly selected from names I find in the comments, shares, DMs, and from the list of subscribers. Prizes might be Going Boldly merch or products supplied by my guests, or just something random and fun. But you have to comment, share, DM, or subscribe to be eligible to win. A special thanks to Brenna Swanger at Waverly Manor Studios for our great theme music. And finally, thanks for listening. Go boldly, keep at it, and wash your hands.